0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, guest, thank you so much for joining me today. In today's podcast, I have a guest who's going to talk about the experience of losing her parent. So, guest, if you would introduce yourself and tell us a story about your parent.
1: Sure. Hi, audience. My name is Tamara Fox and I actually live in Colorado. I lost my dad in April 2020. It was April 4th, 2020. So right when COVID had just started, my dad passed from cancer. But he had actually been a drug addict for, I wanna say at least 10, if not 15 years, um, possibly more, prior to his cancer diagnosis and death.
0: So, was his um, drug addiction at all um, part of why he died, or he died from
1: something else? He died from cancer. Now, to me, I am a pretty firm believer as a health and wellness coach that how we treat our bodies has implications. So, he kind of to give some more background on my dad, he was one of those individuals who was one of the most successful people when I was a child. He was an actuary for a very um, prominent med- Medicare, Medicaid company. We had, he, you know, he made tons of money. He was one of those guys buying new cars in cash like every couple months, cause he could. And we went to country clubs and like we lived this very lush lifestyle because my dad was very financially successful and, and very like did very well in his career. And he had a lot of surgeries in the nineties, like knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries from wear and tear and other just issues. And at that time, as we many know, they would pass out pain pills like candy. So he would go through one surgery, need more, they'd continue to refill his prescriptions and he never went off of them. So finally, when his surgeries were over, he and he couldn't get prescriptions any longer. He turned to buying drugs illegally in order to seek that pain pills um, addiction that he had he had created. And then after that, shortly after he could no longer purchase pain pills illegally. He had to turn to heroin. So he, I always say he's kind of that amazing success to almost homelessness story. He was almost homeless at that point. He didn't have a job. He couldn't keep jobs. He became pretty for lack of better words chaotic towards that part of his life because of what the drugs had done to his mental and physical health. So again he was diagnosed with cancer much later on and actually his life was starting to come around the a few years prior to his death which was really unfortunate. he had a job and was remarried and his life was starting to get so much better and then yeah he was diagnosed with cancer but he suffered so many medical, issues between the years of probably 2008 and 2020. And again, I contribute a lot of it to the way he had taken care of himself, but he was constantly um, battling different, both physical and mental health issues.
0: Yeah, I know I'm, I'm so much of that is such a common story with especially the, starting out with pain pills and then becoming all the way to you know heroin and, and near homelessness. Um, and certainly uh, speaks to which I don't think anyone would argue that the choices we make on our health throughout our life definitely um, has ramifications and we will catch up with you. Both of my parents passed at early ages due to health conditions. They just didn't take care of themselves um, and they lived very unhealthy lifestyles. So, um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about, I, I remember my experiences with COVID with my own health care and other issues, but I didn't have the loss of someone during that time. So how did covid itself impact um you with your father and maybe t- saying goodbye travel restrictions so on and so forth
1: yeah so i think covid was one of the many complicated pieces of his death i had had a pretty roller coaster relationship with my father most of my life because the drugs made him not who he was as i mentioned before it really impacted his mental health it made him verbally abusive to the point where he would Send me horrific texts or leave me horrific voicemails telling me what an awful person I was and just saying awful, awful things to me. And then the next day would completely not even remember it and send me a text and be like, Hey, how are you? Or call me and be like, What you know, what do you got going on? So again, the drugs and his mental health made him not who he was. And so our relationship was already, you know, already on its ups and downs prior to COVID and prior to his death. And at one point he, I actually had to like, kind of put a boundary around him because he would every week text me with a new illness or a new ailment. And I was dealing with a lot of my own personal, um, things at the time that I didn't really have the capacity to support him. And he was remarried to a wife. So I knew he did have a support system. And I shared with him a few years prior to his death. I said, listen, I love you and I support you, but I can't be the one, I can't be your crutch. I can't be the person you go to every single time. There's one little thing wrong at the doctor's. So I ask that unless it's something like big that we need to talk about and share that you don't share every update with me. So prior to his death, I'd say about a year or two prior, we weren't very close. Again, we hadn't really been close most of my life, but we weren't talking as much because I did put a boundary up. And when he did die, I didn't even I don't even I can't remember it. It's hard to recall if I even knew he was in the hospital. No, I did. I did know he was in the hospital leading up to his death. Um, his wife had told either my one of my brothers or me that he was in the hospital with cancer, and then all of a sudden he was gone, and we didn't really know what happened, and his wife couldn't really get answers. He was living in Houston at the time. They didn't allow his wife into the hospital because it was right when COVID had started. And we didn't know much, so we don't know how, when, like, et cetera. Did he go peacefully? Was it not peacefully? So there's a lot of questions we'll never have answered. And of course, given the time that it was April 4th, 2020, there was so much we couldn't do. We couldn't have a funeral. We couldn't really gather to honor him. I think we did some zoom things with his family just to connect. And my brothers and I got together in person, so we could at least be together physically, but it was almost like, Hey, your dad's gone, but sit out your home by yourself and process it. And it brought up a lot of trauma as well. When he died, I had this dual processing of I'm processing grief, but I'm also processing the trauma and processing the verbal abuse and the things he had done my whole life. And it was unlike the grief of a grandparent that I experienced before, where you're just truly sad. I was sad and also processing a lot of trauma that had come back up. So it was a very interesting time to not only be alone, but to be processing something so heavy.
0: Yeah, I completely can relate to that. Um, So without having um, had a, I want to say you had a kind of a difficult relationship with your father. um, So it doesn't sound like you were able to resolve that, if you will, before he passed. So, um, and you just mentioned kind of, you know, looking through some of that, that the trauma and that, do you have regrets? Do you feel like there was something you could have done that you would like to have done if you could go back in time with the, with dad before he passed away, that would maybe have helped you with that feeling of, of going through the trauma when he did pass?
1: I don't, which is interesting. I I think shortly after I had a lot, I had to forgive him a lot. I worked with, it was a therapist who told me you have to forgive your dad for being the dad that he, he was, he did the best with what he knew and what he had instead of being the dad that you wanted. And in many ways, when he died, I no longer was this little girl who was constantly waking up in the morning and hoping her dad would be, would wake up and be the guy I always wanted him to be because that had happened throughout the years. He was so hot and cold. Some days he was so phenomenal and great. And then the next day he's telling me what a piece of shit I am part of my language, but I when he died, I finally had, to, I finally released that piece of, he was the dad, the best dad he could be with what he had. He suffered some, again, a lot of mental health, not only in his adult years, but his he struggled with it in his childhood as well. And I had to really grieve that. I had to grieve, you know, my dad dying. I had to grieve, I had the dad that I didn't want, but that was the dad I received. And I had to also forgive him. So I did a lot of forgiveness work of, you know, thank you for being the dad you could be and loving me in the ways you knew how, even if um, that wasn't what I wanted or expected, I still appreciated and forgave him for who he was.
0: Yeah, I, I completely understand that too. My my mother and I had a very difficult relationship, if you will, and um, when she passed, I I, didn't talk to her before then. I didn't. I didn't resolve a lot of things, and purposely, I, I just didn't feel I needed to. Um, and I had to do the same thing you did, which was to forgive her for a lot of of the things that she did and did not do um, as yeah. a mom. So, uh, any thoughts about? I know you're very young, so losing a parent when you're young, um, you know the the things that you where well, you would have him be there. So you get married and he's not there, or you have a child and he's not there. So those loss of memories, did any of those things come up for you since he passed, um, things that he's not gonna be there for that you would, you, you feel bad about?
1: Yeah, so I actually read about that in my blog, which I think that was one of the hardest things is, as I mentioned, my dad was on the up a couple of years prior to his passing. He was remarried to a wonderful woman. He was getting his life on track in so many ways he was no longer abusing the drugs. It was wonderful. I I was seeing him turn over a new leaf in so many ways and and, which enabled us to have start to rebuild a relationship that had always been pretty rocky. And that was one of the first things I wrote about in my blog. When I wrote about my dad passing was he wasn't going to get to see me get married. He wasn't going to ever meet grandchildren. And I, um, between either myself or my four brothers, And he always talked about how excited he was to be a grandfather and those things, and just experience other memories and events with us, especially seeing that he was in a much better place and starting to be in a really good place. So that was very difficult. Um, I also, at the time, and I'm trying to think right now, if I can recall, I don't believe and I could be (laughs) incorrect, but I don't believe I actually knew anyone who had lost a parent young. So I felt again, a little bit alone of like, not only did I know that, you know, envy in a lot of ways, some of my friends who had amazing fathers and these wonderful racial relationships with my father, their fathers, but now I was at a place where I didn't have anyone else who knew what it felt like to lose a parent. I was, let's see, 2020, I was 28, 29 when it happened and it was still really young Um, and I didn't know how i at that time I didn't have anyone close to me who I could talk to who could relate to that loss
0: yeah that's that's uh, again un- unfortunately too common, but people don't really have that available to them or people don't feel comfortable talking to you about it too maybe because it, they haven't experienced it. so I know you have um you mentioned your blog, so I tell us the um the address of your blog and I also want to hear a bit about I know the coaching that you do,
1: yeah, absolutely. So the address is a little long. So I'll send you the website address to put in your link for your viewers. But the blog and my um, health and wellness coaching is called Awaken Empowerment. The blog is about my life with the goal of one day, you know, five years from now, I'll be writing a book about it. But it talks about what has happened to me and some of the experience I've I've had and what I've learned, gained, and um how I've come out of those experiences in a better light with, again, I started the blog with the intent of hoping that others would read it and not feel alone because in a lot of the experiences I have had, I've felt pretty alone. So that's why I started the blog. It's amazing. I love it. It's very therapeutic. And I shortly after I started it, I did have people reach out and say, Hey, I shared this with a friend. They found it helpful. And that to me made me feel like I was doing something that's making a difference, which is great. And then the health and wellness coaching for me is working with individuals who want to get from point A to point B or point C or whatever that may be, get somewhere into the future, but feel stuck. I oftentimes do work with a lot of individuals who have experienced trauma, but I'm not a therapist and I'm, I'm not looking for people who, or I don't work with clients who are in need of therapy. I typically work with a lot of people who have either done therapy before or they're in therapy and they're They want it. They want something different, something more forward focused, something more solutions oriented, something to help them make them feel better in a different way. And I work with a lot of people who have never, never been in therapy, but know the power of coaching and the difference it can make in your life to have somebody just that um, advocate in your corner and somebody helping hold you accountable. And as a health and wellness coach, I work with my clients on a holistic level. So looking at the whole person, whether that's physical, mental, spiritual, financial, whatever that may be, and determining what are their goals and what do they need to get there and how can I help them get there? And truly, it's not just me helping them get there. It, it, they are the, they are the um, captains of their own ship and they truly find their way through whatever they need, but I'm there to hold space to help them get there and partner with them in that journey. But they're really the ones that contribute to all of their success. Do you feel like the experiences that you've had in your life, uh, specifically the the
0: traumatic ones have helped you to be better as a health coach?
1: Yes. So I say to people that I meet often is I have 30 years of life or 60 years of life experience in 30 years because I've experienced seven, seven deaths in six years and I had deaths prior to that, but from 2016 to 2022, I had, I had seven losses. I went through something extremely traumatic, which I know you and I have, have talked about when I was 19, which is another one of your podcasts. If your listeners haven't listened to that, where I talk about that, um, as well as some other life experiences. And when I'm, I t- I've talked with others who are kind of in the grief or healing and trauma space, and they always say, wow, you have been through so much so young where most people go through what you went through over the span of their entire life, or they go through maybe a 10th of what you go through at one point in their life, but not over such a substantial period of, you know, that 12 year time. So I do believe hundred percent. My experiences give me empathy for those who have gone through other difficult things. And if I cannot relate completely, it allows me to hold a lot of sympathy for them because I know what it's like to go through so much trauma, to go through grief, to go through hard times, and then come out the other side, a person that you didn't imagine you could ever be. Um, But that person can still be amazing. So I found it's been very helpful. And I often say I I turned my pain into purpose.
0: Yeah, I I can certainly hear that. And I think You would be very inspirational to people who are perhaps going through something and or have gone through something and are trying to get their life in a space where I want to be. And now I've met this wonderful coach who um, is showing me by her own existence that there is definitely um, a path to take to where you can, you know, be resilient again and so on. So I think that's great. I think you've definitely found a field that sounds like it's perfect for you.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I, I mean, I work with my own coach. I've. One of the reasons I got into coaching is because I knew I didn't want to be a therapist. I didn't like the clinical reactions I got from therapists. Anytime I was seeing a therapist, they couldn't relate with me and say, I know what that feels like. I've been there. Here's something personal about me that I want to help you not feel alone. Therapists have to stick to the book. Their clients are not supposed to know much about them. They have to stick to a very clinical approach, which felt. To me, when I've gone through things, it felt cold at times and it felt very disconnected, whereas a coach can sit there with you and hold the space together. They can share personal stories. They can enable you to know I'm not alone, which is why I went the coaching route um, as well, because I have a background in human resources. So I've worked with people my entire career and. I got into HR because I wanted to help people, but the coaching enables me to help people on a very personal level in that one-in-one space, which we all need. Like I'm a pretty firm believer we all need a coach. We all need somebody helping us in our corner be the best version of ourselves we can be. So many executives have coaches, and oftentimes coaching kind of has a bad reputation that it means something's wrong with you, whereas a lot of the most successful people in the world have coaches um, because it means something's right with them.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. Um, I do a lot of mentoring for young careers that going into healthcare and I, and I get a lot out of that too from that, we're not life coaching, but career coaching. And I really appreciate, um, I actually think it's probably, probably fun, very fun for me um, and so on. And I feel like I'm paying it forward. So that's always uh, part of it as well. But any of the other things you'd like to share with us before we end this, this episode?
1: I think for those who have lost a parent, regardless of when, how, or what your relationship looked like, that there are ways to find healing in it that is very therapeutic for you. So for me, that healing was learning how to forgive, like truly, truly forgive, which is a life lesson that I think we all need. So even if you have the most beautiful, amazing relationship with the parent you lost, find what lesson you can take and learn from that and apply in your life and maybe even teach others um, and how that can impact you for the best. So that's all I would leave with. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was wonderful
0: to hear your story and get to know you. And as I mentioned, I find you very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.